0: Oh, you're me.
1: Coast, good morning on the West Coast, and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band... Would you leave the audience wanting more? Our guest today, Mike Kelly, has worked for a lot of brands that have left their audience wanting more. Fiserv, PSCU, familiar names in the banking marketplace. And now he's doing his own thing with Team On Up. And we're going to be talking to him right after the break. But first, a couple of announcements, a quick just heartfelt shout-out to one 15-year-old Grace Heinrichs last week coming in with the most listened-to show of 2020. Uh, if you haven't heard that show, you need to go back and listen to it. Just a uh, quadruple threat, sing, dance, act, and could be a tremendous pitch person great ambassador for Generation Z, which if you don't learn anything else for the rest of your time taking training classes and attending training sessions and listening to podcasts like this, please understand that Generation Z is entirely different than the millennial generation. They are the fourth, fourth turning generation. Theirs is the generation that is kicking off the fourth industrial revolution in a huge way. Fail to get to know Grace's generation and your business will not be in business forever. History is. You can change with it or you can get changed by it. Another announcement. Speaking of history, starting Monday, I will be starting a new limited run podcast called Thunder and Lightning Operation Desert Storm. 30 years ago this month, Saddam Hussein invaded his neighboring country of Kuwait, which kicked off Operation Desert Shield, which culminated in Operation Desert Storm, the last great war of the 20th century that previewed what war would be like in the 21st century. I was there, and I'm going to take you on a journey from my time as an Army veteran attending college In 1990, when the invasion occurred to my time on the battlefield in 1991, it is a fascinating war from a historical and political standpoint, and one that's honestly been overshadowed by a lot of the conflicts after September 11th. That happens. I've always felt some commonality with Korean War veterans, because that war was overshadowed by the Vietnam War. But there is some fascinating history, and as always, applications to contemporary life here in the greatest country on earth. So if you have time, you're going to want to check that out. Thunder and Lightning, Operation Desert Storm. It'll feature a lot of great music from that era, as all of our programs do here at Eloquent Online, but this will be a limited-run podcast series. I don't know how often I'm going to do them. It's just going to be extemporaneous. I've not done any research. It's all going to be from memory, and I think you will enjoy it. Two quick shout outs to Ted Brown from Digital Onboarding. Finally, had a nice forthcoming conversation with him and Nathan Baumeister from Z Suite. Nathan, congratulations on a year as an independent brand that is good for you. There are plenty of other people who have tried things that didn't last a year, so it is no small accomplishment that Z Suite is celebrating one year in business as an independent brand brand. Uh, Bravo to you, sir, and your entire team and an object lesson. Folks, if you want to get to know me, you don't have to, you know, just look at my LinkedIn profile. You can call me. My phone number is right there. And the contact information on LinkedIn had two great conversations with Ted and Nathan messaging, text messages, hashtags, whatever, instant messages will never replace conversations with people of action. And so that's what we do. That's what I do here. And that's what we do here on the show. Well, it takes a lot of confidence to follow 15 year old, uh, lightning in a bottle, Grace Heinrichs, but believe me, Mike Kelly is up to the task and we're going to talk to him and we're going to do it all right after this. And I 15 million with wave of my hand. Alexa, play the Power Performance Podcast on TuneIn. Can your webinar do that?
0: Until I was hey,
1: Mike Saving Kelly, mastermind. how are you?
0: Hey, good, Jason, how are you? Hey, so great. Welcome to the office.
2: told me in the set I'd be the big Dave Matthews fan. I'm like, man, we got all kinds of Dave Matthews bums on this show. Listen, Mike, the first time I went to your website and I saw that gentleman dancing through the office, I myself started moving and grooving right here in the studio. Energy creates more energy and that that first impression I had with your friend says a lot about what Team On Up is all about. Tell us about your career in banking and tell us about Team On Up.
0: That, that is so nice. I was just dancing with your intro music, too. So. And, and the applause is creating energy for me as well. So. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm glad that comes through for you. Uh, that is, that, that dancing guy is actually how I feel about what I get to do each day. I, it's just one of these cases, Jason, where God's got me right where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, what we're trying to do here at Team On Up is... Uh, instill this idea that purpose drives productivity, and mm-hmm. that when each employee feels valued and every person on your team, those human beings understands how their individual contributions oh. serve the company's larger mission, of course, that they'll be happier, more productive and and this idea, which is pioneering is the reality that we can finally put employees in control of their experience and development because everybody's an individual. Who who better to look at than you, right? You're unique. You have needs. You have motivations. You have aspirations. You also have headaches and challenges and problems, right? That's true for each of us. So if we can do that, put you in charge of your experience at work, could we also provide leadership with a broader view of what's happening in the employee population, the zeitgeist, as we say, and engagement right. and other factors come to bear that we can address, therefore improve company culture, engagement, drive productivity, and the whole thing gets better and better and better. So that's our mission each day. Well, it
2: is like I said, it really was. You know, we talk about all the time first impressions in the musical parlance, a song that you fall in love the first time you hear. You hear it in the setup when I use that Tom Sawyer intro from Rush. The first time I heard that song way back when, I was just Captivated, and when I went to the went to the website, the monitor here in the studio was fifty inches. It's like, man, it's dance time! I literally was yeah. moving right with it. It's and it's a great thing, and it conveys. In case for those of you out there with a static, boring x and y axis website, nineteen ninety eight called. They want their website back. Go check on uh, Mike's <laughs> website. There's The link to the website is right there, and, and it is. It really it, it just had that impact on me, and I thought, man, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Do something demonstrably, not just different. Do something that is better. Uh, speaking of time and space, COVID-19 compressed three to five years of change into three to five months. So as your website correctly states, the future of work is here. True that. No hashtag required. Why are some brands going to get left behind though, Mike? And what should all brands be doing right now?
0: Now, Jason, this feels to me like the like the right question. Maybe not the only question, but certainly in the top three questions. And my belief is the future of work is here and we're living it out because we can we're so close to what has already happened in the world. So I'm from payments, I've made my career in banking. You know, 15 years at Fiveserve, and then I got recruited to run Hmm. a great company called PSCU in St. Pete, Florida. We have 1,700 staff, yeah. Um, And so the, the, the future is here in that the work we did for members and customers in the payments journey, we started thinking about, oh, not everybody wants to be in the mall doing their shopping, or not everybody can or wants to be in the branch, right? We started to come to a realization of that. 1998, to your reference, and on. And some people are still struggling with that. But we started to realize, oh, we have to work towards our end user and put the consumer in charge of her experience and let her self serve. So home banking is a great example of this. And now we thought, oh, okay, let's allow them to serve themselves 24 by 7, 365. uh, Balance inquiries. I mean, you can do everything remotely now. And then when you're ready, if you like, you go in the branch. But, Jason, when you're in the branch, I also want it to be personalized. I also want you to know who I am and my preferences and my settings and all those good things. So the future is here at work because that's the way the world is built. So let's yep. look at, the, if you're worried about this as a brand and you're looking for some urgency, I would look no farther than what's happened to Macy's and JCPenney's and Sears, these <laughs> big department stores and all of retail. There is carnage along yep. the road of the consumer experience and businesses that did not move towards the end user are out or are going out very painful and sad to watch. And so for all companies and credit unions in particular, if you do not move towards the end user of work, which is your employee, and start to help him and her really have this idea of self-service, can I put you in charge of your experience? and can I give you tools that allow you to personalize, configure work uh, in service of each other to the mission, you are screwed if you don't do that. Because that is what happened. We don't have to be like really smart uh, soothsayers of the future. It is what's happened. The world is digital. It is user-centric. It is on demand. It's, It's everything we're describing here. And so work is the same way. And I would argue... It is actually how work is organized today, everywhere but inside corporate America. You're a great example no. of that. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. You don't need a company corporate structure to do work anymore. You no, can do your Jamie. best work. We have all tools. And so if you want to be there, companies can be a force for good, and often they are. But gosh, you know what I always say, Jason, is that good employees leave because they can, and so they do if they must. And so if you don't move towards that employee, they're out, and that is what has happened. That's why attrition is so bad. People are like, hey, this job stinks. I'm going to a better one. You know? that's, yeah. the, that's the word. And you can be mad at that, and you can kind of shake your fist at that, or, as Bruce Lee says, you can be like water and move towards your end user and deal with the glorious consequences of having people unleash their discretionary energy because they're working on their career, their skills, in service of your mission. It's an easy idea. It's just You've got to get your head around
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give, the, we'll give the millennials a chance to, uh, to Google Bruce Lee, awesome guy. We all wanted Bruce Lee when I, was, when I was young, but we'll give the millennials a minute to go check out. I just had um, a thing
0: on uh, ESPN. Most, they're good.
2: Yeah, 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 awesome guy, awesome guy. Uh, listen, you know, something else you, you said as I was getting to know your brand a little bit that I wanted to ask you about. You say employees want to buy growth and opportunities. As a Gen Xer, shaped by my generational experience and the day that I was born, I've always thought you have to earn them versus buy them. Tell us about that. It's an excellent idea. It's, it's a, I just have posted on LinkedIn
0: about this today. In, in my mind, and again, that analogy of what's happened in payments and how the world is designed, I don't actually see companies anymore. I see them as marketplaces, and I don't see employees as employees. I see them as customers. And so I have air quotes around that idea of buy. really people want to be engaged in meaningful work, have autonomy, uh, you know, have decision rights, and make great money, and all those good things. But what they want to buy are those deeper, more intrinsic things. And then money and compensation reward is sort of a symptom of that. And so this idea that everybody on your team wants those things, of course, and they want to make progress in a way that makes sense for them. But, you know, this idea of earn and buy, you earn opportunity through credentials and results and output and how you can help customers, right? That's how it goes. And, again, the way employees are uh, put into corporate America, it prevents them from really uh, exploring that in great utility because we don't have systems to do it. You know, there is no Mm -hmm. HR system that each employee can grab a hold of Uh, And and so what we've created, Jason, we also also kind of think of like a a self-service CRM, but for your employees, right? So if if I can keep track of my experience, my goals, my skills, and then be in this marketplace engaging and growing and building my skill set, I'm engaged and spending
2: discretionary energy, and then the company is therefore healthier, I do follow you on, on LinkedIn, and when you talked earlier about, you know, keeping you know, your employees engaged, demonstrating that you value their time, if you've listened to any of the recent shows, especially during COVID-19, I have been on a one-man army of one rants against these hour-long webinars. I suffered through one last week just because I don't want to be the guy saying that show is no good if I haven't watched it. If, if someone is asked to sit in front of a webinar for an hour only to learn at the end that the data was pre-COVID-19 rendering it absolutely meaningless, do, do we do – we, and, and, and I want to ask you, because, you know, you mentioned PSCU, and I spoke at over 400 credit union events, and I told people there were a few brands that I never heard anybody say anything bad about. The co-op was one. PSCU was another, and Q's was one of those brands. I just never heard anybody say anything bad. People would complain about their leaks, or, the dues are too high, or this kind of thing. Everyone complains about their data processor, which is why people are constantly switching them, but you know, never anything bad about PSCU. And so I want to ask somebody that is an expert in this marketplace, but you know, when, when LCD projectors were clearly replacing the overhead projector. We didn't keep around overhead projectors just to make them feel good. Do we have to reimagine how we train employees? An hour-long webinar, to me, seems like a tremendous waste of time. Your thoughts. <laughs> so I think you're doing great work in killing bad webinars and killing bad meetings. So
0: I'm cheering for you. You have my support. Uh, that, that is wow. a good mission. The base premise, here's the, here's the great contradiction, that you get hired at a company and you earn a salary. And the first job I ever got was at EDS, and hey. uh, Jason, they paid me they paid me thirty two thousand five hundred dollars uh, to build ATMs, and I thought, oh, geez, this is the the most amount of money I'm ever gonna make. I just I, it was a king's ransom for me. <laughs> yep. And yep. I was happy and engaged, like really doing it. And so, this idea of how we treat employees and what we do for training and development. Companies really struggle, so they go ahead and pay you that money, and, and we could add as much money to that as possible, sixty, 120, 700000 dollars and then once you're inside the company, the behaviors and mechanisms and systems and the culture start to take over, and no one of us is stronger than the culture mm. and so when that crumbles, and here's the, the contradiction that I see is that we've asked the middle manager so let's PSU is an incredible company, a heart to serve, incredible staff. I love and cherish my time there, and it can, that company has continued to fly. So I'm, I love co-op, too, Q's. queues. Um, when you think about what you're trying to do for your team and how you, you have to be in service of them, the middle manager, the company is asking the middle manager to really be an Uber individual contributor. You know, they're overbooked already, and they probably got promoted because of their subject matter expertise, right? They were smart on a topic. Yeah. And then we, the company says, well, and by the way, can you keep track of these 10 or 12 people here and be a traffic cop for them? So one, probably because they got uh, promoted, it was the way they were gonna make more money. There, is, there are a few career paths where you can maintain individual contributor status and make more money. So you kind of have to cross over that line, even if you didn't want to. And then, two, it, it is literally a task that you can't accomplish. So our proposition is, hey, what if we built some software that allowed people to guide their own goal creation in context of the team and their manager? What if we built software that allowed them to check in with their manager face-to-face on video uh, and take notes with each other? So the, it's not just top-down. It's bottoms-up and peer review, right? So that's a new idea. And then... What if we just made that manager's life a little bit easier and kind of offloading some of that work that we're asking them to do, but we know is not going to get done for for those reasons that kind of compound. And what if we just trust people uh, because we just paid you a lot of money to come in here And, and we'll eventually figure out like if it was a bad fit or you can't do it, like that eventually shows up. So some of those fears that set in are fake, I would argue, um, and, and a lot of it is that we don't have a system in which to stay aligned on goals that matter. Because, Jason, like if, if I reported to you, and this was our meeting, you would say to me, hey, how's the family? How you doing? Because you're a nice guy. But then your next question is going to be, hey, how are we doing on our goals? And all you want to hear is, like, hey, thumbs up, boss, or I need this. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So what we're trying to propose is, boy, if you just let software do that from goals and give each person tools to guide that, it can be better. Alignment in real time on true North in service of each other to the mission is an easy idea, but, but that's the breakthrough home that we're trying to create because that's not the way it's done at all today.
2: Well, if, if, if you were working for me, you would have quit a long time. So who You put up with OER your I mean, this been, <laughs> facing a, a, a Title seven lawsuit already here, okay? <laughs> you know, yeah. It never would have worked out. Yeah. Um, real quick, I also worked for FISERV. I also worked for EDS. I had this brilliant hour-long keynote conference session called Generations of Members that Fused Music and Imagery, talking about how to intentionally engage the four different generations that were part of the American Banking Marketplace circa 2002, but I was doing it while I worked for EDS. I was getting so many calls that I I, I said to EDS, look, let me do this on your behalf. Let me do this and just brand it to EDS. And they said, sure, but you can't use any music and you can't use any pictures. You have to use the EDS logo only in the corner of your PowerPoint slide. And I said, that's the whole session. And to your point, I didn't need EDS to change the trajectory of my life. And I walked away from that time in early in the early 2000s, a $65,000 a year job with full benefits, which in 2002 was a lot of money. And so to your point, exactly, you know, I went off and did what I want. And I I guess in some ways, I I, I bought my freedom, if you will, because I had an idea that nobody else had come up with. And I've, I've enjoyed doing that for myself ever since. Hey, finally, for years, for years, I told people who called themselves disruptors that they were not, that you don't talk about disruption, you experience it. COVID-19 is the disruption, the multi-generational, multinational disruption of our shared humanity. If you could get every CEO of financial brand in a room, what would you tell them about the compelling need to keep employees engaged, informed, and inspired to be their best? It's a great question.
0: So if we're all in a room together, I would say, ladies and gentlemen, we need to do for employees what you're able to do each day in your work. You're able to match so closely your purpose, and it drives your productivity. So when you're the CEO, there's no gap between the vision and the mission uh, and the strategy and what you do each day. The gap increases every step away from the C-suite. And if you have nine levels at work, it's really unclear how my contribution connects back into that greater, You know, I want a fractional ownership of the big goal here because I want a bonus and Mm -hmm. career and all those good things. And so I would encourage them, if your goal is to be relevant with the workforce you need, and Jason, your description of what your journey has been, what I'm learning is that many companies have employees on staff that don't think they can get another job. They feel trapped. They feel prisoner. Mm. And so companies right now in big corporate America are calcified with a staff that is locked in fear because they don't know what motivates them. They don't know what they want to accomplish. They have not been given, uh, you know, training in a way that is relevant in 2020, and they don't have that oomph to go get it like you did. And so what if we stop working against people? So in this room of all these CEOs and decision makers, I'd say you could could have your company fly by having a systems approach that allows people to connect their purpose, get out of your own way, company. It's not about you. About their purpose in context of the team. What goals do I want to accomplish? How does that help me feed my family and my loved ones? Give me opportunity, growth, and self-fulfillment And you will see a massive amount of discretionary energy spent in pursuit of the mission. And that you will just have to deal with the wonderful and incredibly profitable results that come along on that ride for the company. Stop being a control freak. Give people tools. And it will happen.
1: Because I've been following Mike on LinkedIn, I know that he is big into fitness and wellness, which I think is so important right now, especially with people being locked down the way we were during COVID 19. I asked him just how important is health and wellness in the modern American marketplace?
0: I think it's that everything. Um, by the way, yep. 60 is the new 40, Jason. So we're good. Yep. We're trying to. I know.
2: Yep. <laughs> and we're doing just fine.
0: The. What I learned as CEO, we had 1,700 people on staff, very stressful job, 800 customers. My wife and I have young kids, and there's a lot of moving parts. And your cognitive abilities increase if you take care of your body. Your physical well-being yes. uh, increases. You know, your, your nutrition intake is everything at 70% of the equation. And so it really is that maxim that you're given one temple, and you better take care of it or you lose it. Uh, But I'll tell you, all that is measurable, and I I think the challenge a lot of what gets in a lot of people's way is that they're trying to fit it in instead of having to be a big Mm. rock that does not get moved from the day uh, unless hell or high water comes. So don't fit it in. Make it a part of your day, and just convince yourself because it's true that you're on the clock and you are getting paid. You're a corporate athlete. You're a human being on this planet. You want to live a vibrant, healthy life? You've got to work. There is no short-term strategy. You know, this COVID chaos is, is happening, and people are suffering, and we're all hoping that some vaccine comes on, the, on the, and maybe it will, But health is more than a shop. And so yeah. you have to be in this world strong and doing your best each day, each day. And as we serve each other, right, we forget that love is a verb. And as I can help you and you can help me, together we are brothers. And that takes work and energy and fortitude and endurance. And you know, yeah. I believe God is is clearing that path for us. So all those things. Like well, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm I'm going to work out. I'm, I'm going to get it because uh, I've, I've got a I've got a big day ahead. Of me.
1: And we thank Mike Kelly so very kindly for joining us on the Power of Performance podcast.
0: Jason, thanks you so much. Great honor to be awesome, here. Man. Keep going. Sure.
1: As I spoke to Mike, the word that kept popping into my mind was guru. He combines that corporate experience and the business smarts with the spirituality and the health and wellness. And love is a verb, and it's very genuine, and it's very earnest. So check out Team On Up and all the great things that they're doing, and check out Mike on LinkedIn. I saw men in green uniforms pouring out of the house across the street, and instantly recognized the familiar green uniforms and helmets as Iraqi soldiers. I calmly placed the brim of my Kevlar helmet on the rear sight posts of my M16, clicked off the safety, and pulled the trigger. Join us Monday for Thunder and Lightning: Operation Desert Storm. My name is Jason Dyes, and until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week.
0: It is, Somebody's going hungry and someone else is eating out